Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is soon to be referred to as a modern-day classic of a linguistical nightmare. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is episode 7 of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Show lucky number seven, and right after this show, I'm heading to the airport, hopping on an airplane, going to Vegas for the West Coast Pipe Show, so maybe I'll get lucky out there. You never know. Anyway, in today's show, Tad Gage will be my guest. He'll be on the phone in just a few minutes. We'll learn a lot, talk to him about his uh, researching of all the classic English brands. Later on in the show, The Rant got another piece of music that I picked out just because yesterday was Halloween and I loved it so much. Hey, if you want to see what I do at home for Halloween, check out my Facebook page. I posted some pictures there. Follow me on Facebook, Brian Levine. Check us out on iTunes. Remember, the podcast gets loaded up to iTunes every Thursday night. Please, if you get a chance, make sure and rate the show on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. That'll help us out. At the end of the show, a rant coming up in just a few minutes. I'm going to talk about aging tobacco, something that I've uh, spent a lot of time myself figuring out what works, what doesn't work, but we're going to talk a little about aging tobacco. I want to say a big thank you to my friends at SmokingPipes.com for helping us out. Everybody hang on, hang in there. Here we go. SmokingPipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. This is Internet Radio. Boo. Did I scare you? I get into Halloween a little bit, and I'm always sorry to see it go. Anyway, pipe parts coming up right now in just a few minutes. Tad Gage, later on some music just for the Halloween season. Don't forget daylight savings time coming up this weekend. Hey, that means I get an extra hour of sleep while I'm on the road. Anyway, in pipe parts, I want to talk about aging tobacco or cellaring tobacco or the benefits of it. This is going to go out to those of us that smoke English and Virginias primarily. Let's address the aromatics first. Those of you that are aromatic smokers, aging doesn't really benefit the aromatics. I will say that there are a lot of aromatic blends that benefit from about a year to two of aging And then after that, the aromatic flavorings or the top notes or the casings tend to wear off and you start to get a softened, less aromatic blend. So with that being said, 
I really don't think you want to start aging your aromatics much more than about two years. After that, you're going to start losing that flavor that you like. Those of us that smoke Virginia's, Virginia Perique's, English blends, tobacco, those blends give, they, they benefit greatly from time in the can, time in a jar, time in an airtight environment. Now, I know that there are some people that like to bake their tobaccos or like to do fancy tricks to the tobaccos to try to speed up the aging. I'm going to tell you right now that I think only Mother Nature knows exactly what to do and how to do it. Time and time alone is the best way absolutely to age tobaccos. From my experience, especially working with Stokeby and the Orlick factory. Those blends, when those blends are created, they are using tobacco that is anywhere from three to five years old already. If you've got a blend that you like that's in the can or in that you buy in bulk and you want to age it, keep in mind that those leaves and the, that blend may already be anywhere from six months to three to five years old already. Find the blend that you like, keep it in a dark place. I keep all of my tobacco tins and all the stuff that I've jarred up in mason jars, I keep them in a cabinet that is out of the sunlight, out of the natural light, and away from any direct heat or air conditioning sources. I want to allow Mother Nature to take her time. What I've found out personally for me, any blend that I buy, I like to age it for at least two years. For me, two years is that magical number to where the flavors come, they become, instead of five or six flavors, they all balance out and marry with each other. They ripen and they become one big flavor. I kind of imagine it as six or seven musicians sitting together playing different pieces. They may all be great musicians playing different instruments, but when you've got them all working together and playing the same piece at the same rhythm, it's one beautiful piece of music. So think about that. Think about giving your tobaccos another two years. Now, I'm sure that works with English blends. I have a couple of English blends that I keep and I age them for a year or two and then I crack them open and I smoke them slowly. They're very light English, so I add another couple of extra years to them. It smooths them out even further. Here's what happens, and here's where I am completely different than a lot of other people. I think tobacco ages on a bell curve. It starts out as a new blend, and then it builds up to an optimum time in its life. At that peak moment is when it has the most amount of flavor, the best balance of flavor. After that, somewhere down the backside of that peak, the tobacco starts to lose some of the flavor that I'm looking for. One of the other flavors starts to ripen faster than the other than the others do. Whatever it is, I think there's a bell curve. I think there's an optimum time. And I don't think that aging a tin of tobacco 20 to 30 years is beneficial for anything. I think it takes the blend and converts it into too soft or too mild or too flavorless of a blend. That's just for me. I do know of people that sit there and they absolutely love, love, love 
to crack open a tin of 30-year-old tobacco, they say that they can pick up all these different nuances, different flavors in it. Sorry, guys. I guess I'm just not that sensitive of a taster. I don't have that uh, delicate of a tongue. I guess it's from all those sharp words in the past. But anyway, I can't pick those up. After my Virginia Perique blends or my straight Virginias have aged for too long, they go too soft for me. I lose that intensity that I want from them. Now, I will tell you, I've said it before and I'll say it again, tobacco is never going to be cheaper. We are also living in a golden age of tobacco blending. We have some great blenders on the market right now. If you find something that you like now, Imagine what it'll be in three to five years. If you can afford it, stockpile on tobacco. There is never going to be a better time to buy tobacco. It'll never be cheaper. Stockpile it. Try aging some. See what it does for you. Start to learn to understand what a blend is going to taste like after it's been aged for a while. Here's my trick to figuring that out. Take the blend that you're, that you're going to try, open it up, take a couple of bowls full, let it dry down, put it in the sunlight for a couple of days in a sealed plastic bag. By toasting that in the sunlight, you're going to accelerate the aging, and you'll get a small example of what that might feel like down the road. The drier it is, the better and the more sunlight on it, the better that works. But you got to be careful. Don't let it get too dry or it'll burn hot for you. Try that. That'll give you an idea of what the blend's going to feel like down the road. Then take what you can afford, stick it away. I personally, for every two tins that I'm smoking, I'm buying an extra one. So it's buy three, smoke two. So I'm always stockpiling, building it up backfilling what I'm what I'm smoking and adding to it. Smoking the oldest of what I've got in my cellar already, buying brand new stuff, allowing it to sit in there and age and catch up to the rest of it. That way I can buy it at new prices. I don't have to pay extra for aged tobacco down the road. I have found for me with my stronger Virginia Periques after about uh, 12, 14 years seems to be the time when they start to lose their oomph. For the regular medium-bodied Virginia Perique that I smoke most of the time, that's about 8 to 10 years. Somewhere in there, I start to lose that periquiness that I like out of it. The Perique starts to smooth out too much, and it becomes too mild. For the straight Virginias, I've really yet to find a time frame for those, so I think you're pretty safe there. Now, keep in mind, I only smoke the straight Virginias during the hot summer days, and all I'm looking for is that sweetness, and I think those will stand in there for a good long time. Love to hear what you have to say. Post it on the forums. If you have any other ideas on aging tobacco, have any questions, pop them in there. I'll check them out. Coming up in just a minute, Tad Gage. I'll get him to talk to us about the... uh, old English blend or the old English pipe brands because he uh, basically wrote the book on several of those classic factories later on some music the rant hope you're enjoying the show do you need 
need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favourite blends outside of the US? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favourite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin direct via satellite from our on-the-spot task force. This just handed to me. A large green cloud with a foul odor could be seen over parts of southern Louisiana today. The source of the cloud? Not toxic fumes. No, it was the world's oldest barrel of Perique had been accidentally opened. No injuries were reported. However, eyes were watering and noses were curled, and this reporter's heart was broken. And now back to the show. Finally, on the phone with me, noted author, tobacconist, pipe collector extraordinaire, Tad Gage. Tad, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Uh, tell everybody, what you've done a lot of writing in the industry. What all have you written? Well, uh, I, uh, I think my first foray into it was uh, doing the Complete Smoker magazine. Uh, which was both uh, pipe and cigar celebration, if you will. It was, uh, I said, the first uh, four-color uh, pipe, pipe and cigar magazine ever done, and that was back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and uh, kind of built up my knowledge quite a bit from, from doing that and also, of course, talking to all the, the great pipe guys and everything and, and, and learning. So uh, that evolved into an opportunity to do the Complete Idiot's Guide to Cigars, uh, which uh, was published in, uh, originally in 97, and I updated it in 2005. And I believe it's the best-selling cigar book that's ever been written, and it's it's still going. And uh, and then I've just written numerous articles for various uh, newsletters and publications. And uh, I'm proud to say that I had the opportunity to write a uh, foreword for Fred Hanna's excellent book, The, uh, the Perfect Smoke, that came out uh, not too long ago. And uh, the, uh, I guess, the epilogue for uh, for Rick Newcomb's book, still searching for pipe dreams. So I've I've just been a writing fool. So you've been a little busy. Uh, how did you get into pipe smoking? You know, I got into it uh, kind of uh, an interesting way. So many people say that uh, you know their dad or their grandfather smoked a pipe, and it got it just kind of triggered their interest. Uh, I grew up in a completely non-smoking uh, family, matter of fact, a very anti-smoking family. And uh, once I struck out on my own, uh, I actually I went to a, a conference in Toronto, and they handed out Cuban cigars. And I had never smoked anything before, but I thought, well, what the heck, I might as well give it a try. And uh, I actually went to my room and, because I was afraid I might get sick from it, and I didn't want to do that at the uh, banquet. 
So I smoked this thing, and I absolutely loved it. And so I got into cigars, and then um, in a previous marriage, I had a really great uh, relationship with my uh, father-in-law, and he was a, a big pipe smoker. He smoked uh, probably 10, 12 bowls a, a day, really nasty pipes. He never cleaned them, smoked really cheap tobacco. But the man looked like he enjoyed it so much. Uh, you know, it just, uh, he was, he just would get calm and contented. So I uh, actually, we were all on a family trip to the Boundary Waters and uh, watched him canoeing and smoking his pipe. And he kind of looked like a ship's captain and a little bit like, uh, you know, the, the African queen with the smoke coming up. And I asked him if I could uh, try his pipe. And um, so he lent me one of his pipes and some tobacco. And I can't say it was uh, the tastiest experience in the world. But, you know, uh, I, I really loved it, and that just that got me turned on to pipes. So I started buying pipes and looking for, uh, you know, good tobaccos and uh, didn't, always, didn't always find them to start out with. I started definitely higher than, you know, maybe some of the low-end uh, drugstore tobaccos. But it took me a while to sort of discover what a good quality pipe and good quality pipe tobacco were like. And, boy, it just, uh, I, I was hooked. It, it just uh, went on a roll from there. What year was that? Uh, that was probably like about 85, 1984, some, about, yeah, maybe 84. And you've been involved in the uh, Chicago Pipe Club and at the Chicago Pipe Shows for a long time now. Um, were there any, any people that influenced you in developing your uh, pipe smoking skills? You know, I'll tell you, there, there are so many people, it's almost impossible to... Uh, to relate, I was lucky in that uh, early on I um, found out about uh, uh, pipe shows and so forth. So, you know, I had a great opportunity to go and meet, I guess I would say, a lot of the, the great collectors. Uh, you know, there was uh, Feathers Thompson, Basil Sullivan, uh, Fred Janusek up in uh, Wisconsin was a, just a tremendous uh uh, mentor in terms of uh, helping me understand, uh, uh, you know, what a quality pipe was, what one looked like. Uh, I'm sure I probably annoyed the heck out of a lot of these guys at uh, at the pipe shows because I'd be running around picking up pipes and and asking the, whoever was selling it if I could take it for a moment. And then I'd run over and I'd show it to them and go, well, what do you think? What do you think of this pipe? And is it a good price? You know, and you know, sometimes they'd say yes, sometimes they'd point something out, but. You know what? I, I learned a ton, and uh, so just over the years, I've had, and I've developed so many friends who've also been, you know, really helpful. And and you know, to this day, I think I continue to sort of hone and refine my uh, my pipe skills, how to pipe, uh, pack a pipe. I learned a, I've learned a lot from Fred Hanna in terms of uh, discussing, uh, you know tobaccos with him and and packing techniques and and care of a pipe so you know i'm, I'm still learning new things as, as we go along here's a bit of a curveball for you um when you're buying a pipe at a pipe show have you ever had a bad experience uh, you know, actually, the only real bad experience I ever had was was the first pipe show that I went to, and I really didn't know much what I was doing, and ended up buying quite a few pipes that really didn't turn out to be very satisfying. I mean, they weren't necessarily bad pipes, but, uh, you know, they were maybe kind of lower end of some name brands, and uh, they, they weren't very satisfying. So, you know... Uh, 
other than that, I've had really good experiences, uh, you know, with, with folks I've bought from and, um, you know, trades that I've made. Uh, you, you know, obviously there are a lot of times when you're going back and forth and you want something, but uh, whoever's selling it or, or whatever they want more in trade than you're willing to give or a price. So there have certainly been some disappointments, but, uh, but I, I would say overall the pipe, pipe show experience has been great. A little different on eBay. I have had a few disappointments, you know, with with eBay either goofy sellers or just a pipe that ended up being not as it was described or what I expected. Um, but then I have, I've had some good upside surprises too. Things that I bought on eBay and and liked and um, you know uh, turned out to turned out to be even better than I thought. So. I, you know, there's nothing like being able to actually look at a pipe in person, uh, whether it's a new pipe or a used pipe. Uh, it's, it's just a much easier process than trying to figure it out online. Do you still, to this day, get a pipe, buy a pipe and then think that it's going to be uh, absolutely wonderful and then find out that it just doesn't work for you? You know, I've, I've had a few of those over the years. i I, I got to say I think I'm really lucky because uh, – I've, I've had very, very few clunkers. Um, what, what I've found, though, is that there are some pipes that just work better with certain tobaccos. And I actually learned from a, a good friend of mine out in New York, Pete Rothenberg, that sometimes uh, you have to keep hunting to find a tobacco or a type of tobacco that works just right in a particular pipe. And he's a big a big fan of, of keeping pipes separate and having, you know, a particular pipe for even a particular type of pipe tobacco, and I just can't keep track of that. So it's that's over my head. But you know, uh, recently I I, uh, I picked up a just a gorgeous pipe, and uh, you know a new a brand new pipe, uh, never smoked. And uh, you know I smoked it with Virginia. I really like just about anything that's good tobacco. I like Virginias and Latakias and all that good stuff. And I smoked it with Virginias, and it uh, really didn't do much. Uh, but then I tried Latakia in it, and it's an absolute, fant- absolutely fantastic tasting pipe with Latakia. Whereas a pipe that I bought, I don't know, maybe about eight months ago or so. Uh, that smoked so good with Virginia, and that was another new pipe, by the way, and that smoked so beautifully with Virginia, I haven't even wanted to put anything else in it. I only smoked Virginias in that pipe. I'm going to interrupt you here. I do want to mention that Tad is uh, the uh, 2012 class of the newly ordained Doctor of Pipes from the Chicago Pipe Club, and we will be back with Tad in just a minute. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. This is Internet Radio. We are back, and Tad is still on the phone. Uh, Tad has basically written the book on the uh, research on some of the old English factories tad tell us about uh what brands have you what brands have you done the research on uh i've done pretty extensive research on uh barling which is my favorite brand and uh and also uh Kamoy and sassini and uh sheraton i wrote an article on on barling and sheraton for my uh, for my magazine and uh, 
so really, really love the old uh, the lore of those those old pipes and the factories, and just I've just always been fascinated about it. Can you talk us through how the how you started about doing the research? Uh, you know, uh, well, didn't when I started on Barlings, I didn't have anything online, so it was really uh, picking the brains of people who had bought the pipe. The, the 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 brand basically was sold by the family after five generations in 1962, and because of the war, some of these English factories lost records and so forth. So there was very little to be had. So. I picked the brains of everybody who was a little bit older who had been buying pipes in the 50s. And, uh, you know, they picked up knowledge from their tobacconists, uh, retailers, and, and then uh, poked around and was able to find a few catalogs and a little bit of information. And when the Internet came along, uh, found a few more things, some patents and stuff like that. The Internet makes life a lot easier these days to you know, to be able to do that kind of research. But there's never been a whole lot of stuff about most of these uh, companies and, and factories. So you just kind of have to poke around to catalogs and promotional pieces. And, and that's what I did. And it took me about, I don't know, 15, 20 years to gather all the information on Barling. Sheraton, I was lucky because I met Herman Lane, actually. I did uh, the article on Sheraton from a magazine. And he actually wrote in and uh, you know, said that he loved it and, you know, he'd be happy to share some additional information. So I ended up actually uh, meeting up with him several times in New York and uh, getting it from the, from the horse's mouth, so to speak, about, you know, the story, how it, how it all started, how he got involved with it. And uh, he was just a fascinating and great guy. I met him later in his life, but it was, it was uh, one of the coolest experiences of my life, I'll tell you that. Talk about Sassini for a minute. You know, Sassini, I think, is just a fabulous brand. Um, you know, they they basically made English shapes. You know, it was, it was uh, a family-run business, the Sassini family. Uh, and, you know, I've always thought that they just made really elegant, uh, great-looking pipes that uh, smoked particularly well. I mean, they had even a lot of, uh, a lot of sort of second lines. Uh, and the, and those are great pipes as well. And I like Barling never did any seconds. It, it basically, it was just their one line. Sassini had like fantails and and and, and you know rusticated pipes, and uh, they they just they made a great product. And their carved pipes, I think, are just gnarly looking. They're so awesome. Did Joel work for Alfred Dunhill? Uh, you know, I I believe I believe he did, and I know that there was. Uh, I know there was an issue because when he went out on his own, he started making pipes and he used a single blue dot on the stem, on the top of the stem. And uh, he heard from Dunhill pretty quickly about that. They weren't real happy about him using the one dot. So uh, he, they actually switched it then to have dots on the side, whether it was four dots or eight dots. And so that's how he kind of, that's how he created that famous little four dot and eight dot Sassini logo. Were there two dot pipes at, at one point? Yeah, yeah, there were two dot pipes. Those were actually uh, not like, they were a second. They usually had like a fill or maybe the grain wasn't that good, but, but great smoking pipes. What eras are we talking about for somebody that wants to uh, that wants to buy a, an old Barling, an old Camoys, an old GBD? What time frame are we looking at? You know, the, the old stuff is, is more like, uh, I, I'd say 30s. 40s, 50s, 
Uh, now, Barling, you know, again, when they sold the company to a large, uh, a large British tobacco concern, their quality just uh, really went down the tubes at that point. But uh, Sassini and Sheridan were making, uh, you know, fabulous pipes and Kamoy as well. All, all through the 60s, uh, I, I would say things started to maybe peter out in the late 70s for, for some of those English pipe makers. So you're looking at a pretty old pipe. Um, in your time of taste testing tobaccos, can you talk about the difference between the taste of a briar and the taste of a meerschaum? I've, I've always thought that meerschaum, you know, gave, I guess, if you would say, a, a cleaner smoke, a simpler smoke. It doesn't lend much to, uh, to the flavor of the tobacco. So you're really, really tasting the tobacco uh, in its, I, I would say, purest form. Uh, with a briar, uh, I always keep my briars real clean and reamed. I don't like having a big cake on them or anything because I find you end up smoking the cake instead of the pipe. But briar lends a certain, uh, a lot of people say nutty quality or something like that. And, and I do remember that uh, there was, uh, with Barry Levin, uh, he always used to say that a really great pipe if you've got a really great pipe and a great tobacco, toward the very end of the smoke, you get this hit of sweet nuttiness, and that's coming from the briar. You're not burning the briar, but you're pulling something out of it. And he said that was, like, the best part of the pipe. So, you know, a briar definitely lends more, much more flavor to any tobacco, I think, than, uh, you know, than meerschaum. And clay tends to give you a little bit drier flavor. Clay and corn cobs. They're also pretty neutral, uh, but you almost get like a little, almost a drier thing, almost an earthy quality from them. For all the new pipe smokers starting out, in a, in one minute, give us your best advice to a, to a new pipe smoker. I would say buy from a quality retailer and buy a uh, you know buy a quality pipe. Don't be cheap. Um, spend be willing to spend a little bit of money. You don't have to spend a fortune. Uh, I, I pretty much started from the beginning on, on estate pipes. I bought a few new pipes early on. And, uh, you know, new pipes can be absolutely fantastic, uh, you know, new on smoke pipes. Uh, estate pipes can be a little trickier because they've got to be cleaned out well, but there are a lot of sellers out there that do sell completely cleaned and sanitized, uh, you know, estate pipes. So I, I would say buy, you know, buy a good pipe and uh and and spend you know spend a little bit of money on it because if it's a good one you're going to be having it for a long time. And because I love you so much and know you so dearly, you are going to be the first guest to answer what's going to be now the fast five final questions. So these are five questions, one to two word, maybe five words as as at the most as the answer. The first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yep. Yep. <laughs> what's your favorite pipe? Barling. What's your favorite tobacco? Latakia. What's your favorite place to smoke? In the house. And your favorite drink? Bourbon. And your favorite thing to do while smoking a pipe? Drinking and reading. And that is the Fast Five final questions. Tad, I want to thank you for your time Hey, can we come back to you in the future? Because i got a whole bunch of other questions that I just didn't have time for. I'd love it, Brian. And maybe we can talk about bourbon, too, because uh, I love a good bourbon. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's smooth stuff, baby. Smooth stuff. Tad, thanks again. i got to head to the airport. All right, buddy. 
Take care of yourself. Fly safe. Hey, this is Pipe Dave Gabrielle, and you're listening to Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at SmokingPipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. Welcome back. Uh, mailbag music and rant still to come. I want to thank Tad for uh, spending some time with us. Tad knows a ton about pipes. He's also the original blender and creator of the Three Oaks Original and Three Oaks Syrian tobaccos that uh, McClellan's making for him right now. I got caught last week. Forgot to answer the trivia question, so... Yes, it was from Old England, the church wardens, also known as headmasters at that time. They wanted a long pipe to keep the smoke or keep the burning tobacco away from their robes and their beards. It also helped when they were reading. The long stem was also used in the rectory. If during prayer anybody happened to nod off, the church warden would poke the person in the ribs with the long stem. This week's trivia question. Capstan is a pipe tobacco, but it's also a noun. What is a capstan? Think about that one. The piece of music that I'm going to play for you right now, it's a little self-indulgent, but we all know I'm a Disney fan, and we also all know that yesterday was Halloween, so I've pulled out some of my favorite parts from the original 1967 recording of The Haunted Mansion from Disneyland. When hinges creak in doorless chambers and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls, whenever candlelights flicker where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight.
Mouse Creek and the tombstones quake. Spooks and mockers wing and wake. Happy haunts materialize. And begin to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. For a silly spook may sit by your side. Shrouded in a darkish hide. They pretend to terrorize. Grim grinning ghosts come out to Socialize. As the moon climbs high over the dead oak tree, spooks arrive for the midnight spree. Creepy creeps with eerie eyes start to shriek and harmonize. Grim green ghosts start to socialize. When you hear the knell of a requiem bell, weird ghosts dream where spirits dwell. Restless bones etherealize. Rises spooks of every size. <laughs> scare you yet? There was a period of uh, 10 years of my very younger life where I wouldn't go on the Haunted Mansion. It scared me too much. Uh, prior to the PC police getting their hands on the Haunted Mansion in the uh, late 1990s, there was a couple of pipe-smoking ghosts in there. Uh, music was composed by Buddy Baker. Buddy did a ton of stuff for Disney over the years. Message from the dark side there is. All right, before we get into the mailbag and before I get to Las Vegas and have to see Marty Pulvers face-to-face, I was born in San Francisco, but I grew up in Los Angeles, grew up a Dodgers fan, and Marty and I have always jabbed each other over the Dodgers and the Giants, so I want to say congratulations to the San Francisco Giants for winning the World Series, and uh, that way I can say I said it. And I don't have to say it to Marty face-to-face. All right, in the mailbag, Dino. Yeah, Gatemouth, great musician. Tons of great music from from Gatemouth. A couple other musicians that we've already featured on the show. Dan Locklear is a pipe smoker and a composer, and we played some of his music. A couple weeks back, uh, Keith Moore is a pipe smoker and uh, influential pipe collector that is also a musician. I played one of his songs. I've got a couple of songs from Lalo Schifrin, who's a pipe smoker and a customer of mine at Dunhill, queued up for future episodes. If you have any suggestions of uh, pipe smoking musicians that you'd like to hear on the show, post them in the forums. I'll take any, take any, uh, any help I can get. Uh, Nick, sorry about your coffee. Didn't know playing with my marbles was going to spill your coffee. Hope it wasn't too hot. Profile pipe racks. Uh, Gary Ovich? Yeah, thanks. I'll take a look at those. See if the profile pipe rack works for what I want to do with it. See if it works for the different sizes of pipes that I have. In the uh, None of my pipes are identical, so it be a little interesting to try to fit them on. But I'll take a look. Langford JL and Bond Eddie, I want to say thank you for your kind comments. Much appreciated. Um, F. McMurray, yeah, pipe shapes, yeah, I'm talking from my history and from my experience and personal interpretation. There's a lot of that in this in this hobby that we love. Doesn't mean anybody's right or wrong. Uh, 
personal interpretation gets into it. Same thing with pipe tobacco and aging of pipe tobacco. It's personal interpretation. If you enjoy it the way you do it, keep doing it. That's my motto. All right, everybody, hang on. Rant time next. This is Internet Radio. Welcome to a new way to communicate. A new source of news, information, and computer software. Introducing American Online. Hey, with American Online, I can just point and click. Oh, wait. With American Online, you can send and receive email, even across the Internet. Hey, I've got email. Okay, I open the mailbox. No, that's not it. Maybe I... No. American Online puts you in touch with information resources all across the country. How do you get this thing... Open! Open! Application in use? What application? I can't even start any application! Call now for your free trial. You'll get free software and 10 hours of free online time your first month, which you can spend trying to figure out how to open your email box. Suck it! Timed out! What does that mean? Jesus, I hate this thing! American Online. It's knowledge. It's power. It sucks! Cowboy. Cowboy. Toilet paper is what is wrong with our country or our society. Recently, I was helping my 98-year-old grandmother order some toilet paper online. A large online national retailer had 63 different choices of toilet paper. Now, I'm looking through them and reading them off, and she knows the different brands. We can all understand that there's a difference in brands. But we've got one-ply, two-ply, and now there's three-ply toilet paper. Are, have we gotten that lazy that we can't take a single-ply piece of toilet paper and fold it a couple of times to make it two-ply ourselves? No, apparently the manufacturers think that we've gotten that lazy as a society that we, have to, that we don't want to have to fold our toilet paper. So, not only do you have single-ply, double-ply, or triple-ply now, you have double rolls. Double the amount of paper on that roll so that way you don't have to change the roll as often. Are we that lazy that we can't reach over and change a roll? No, apparently we are because now we have double rolls of toilet paper. Next thing we have is mega rolls. A mega roll is the equivalent of four rolls of toilet paper on one roll. It's basically that truck stop industrial thing that looks like it rolled off the back of a dump truck. It holds four rolls of toilet paper on one roll because we don't want to be changing the roll of toilet paper that often. Now, not only are there other options, there's ultra soft, there's basic, there's ultra comfort, sensitive, soft double rolls, clean care double rolls with soft ripples I don't know what a soft ripple is but I'm pretty sure I don't want it there quilted soft and strong bath tissue double rolls basic toilet paper 100% recycled toilet paper I hope the paper was something else before it got recycled into toilet paper the ultra soft and ultra strong soft and strong rough and ready, whatever it is, I watched a commercial recently where they were touting their ultra-strong toilet paper and were saying that 
even wet, it could hold a stack of quarters. Never crossed my mind to soak my toilet paper and then stack quarters to see if it could hold it. I didn't know that was something I was going to need to do with toilet paper. Well, here's how I tie it into us pipe smokers. The problem with today's society is that we're all about convenience. We're all about efficiency. Pipe smoking is not about convenience. Pipe smoking is not about efficiency. Pipe smoking is about relaxing and enjoying life. And apparently, because of the toilet paper that is manufactured and sold to us now, we're too lazy to change a roll more often. We're too lazy to fold the toilet paper over to make it two-ply or three-ply our own selves. So no wonder why there's fewer pipe smokers than there was 50 years ago. That's the rant for the show. I hope you enjoyed the show. Next week's episode, Scott Tinker renaissance man making some wonderful pipe cases spend some time visiting with him kevin godby if you get a chance i want to mention i did a video back for when i was working for smokingpipes.com about how i jar my bulk tobaccos and get them ready to sell her could you pop that link up on the forums if you want to see exactly how i load my jars of tobacco when i'm getting ready to put them up in the cellar for a couple of years Take a look at that video. It's fun. It'll show you exactly how I do it. Meantime, I'm off to Vegas. Until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy I'm not back in five minutes. Just wait longer.